Hello, everybody. Welcome to Epic. If you're new with us, whether you're new on campus, maybe new joining us online, my name's Trent, one of the pastors here. And like has been said, today we're ending our series called Thrive. And I want to begin with a question. How many of you like to read? How many of you like to read? Let me, let me see your hands. Now, how many of you love to read? Two hands up if you love to read. Okay. So I like to read, but my wife loves to read. We're very different in that nature. So when we go to bed at night, uh, we'll both read before we go to sleep. And uh, I will begin reading. I'll read a chapter. That's usually my goal, to read one chapter before I go to bed at night. Uh, Sometimes I read a chapter. Sometimes I read a page. Sometimes I read a paragraph. Sometimes I read a sentence. And then all of a sudden, I'm sleeping. And my wife's like, you didn't even read a sentence. I'm like, ah, I'll read it tomorrow. My wife, on the other hand, she'll start reading, and it'll be like 2 in the morning, and I'll wake up and say, what are you doing? I'm reading. Like, I know you're still reading, but I fell asleep like hours ago. (laughs) You're still reading. And when she gets in a great book, I mean, she could read all night long because she just loves to read. And when she reads, she loves to read nonfiction. She loves stories. And she gets lost in this story. And, and you know, I'll wake up the next morning, and she'll tell me about the story, what she was reading all night. And I'm, on the other hand, I kind of like nonfiction, like the bottom line. I'm kind of like a Cliff Notes version of a story kind of a guy. I don't really want the whole story. I want the bottom line. I want to know who are the main characters, what obstacles did they face, and how did they get over those obstacles? So I'm thinking about writing a book series called The Bottom Line. And it would go something like this. Okay, so chapter number one, once upon a time, there was a good guy and a bad guy. Chapter number two, the bad guy got the upper hand. Chapter number three, the good guy won in the end, the end of this story. So anybody want to read a, a, like a book series like that? Okay, great, yeah. So I was looking for that in college, you know, in school, like what's the bottom line? Don't tell me all this stuff, just tell me. The bottom line. If you are a bottom line kind of person, you're going to like today's message because there's going to be a whole lot of bottom lines. I'm going to tell you the bottom line for the book of Daniel that we've been studying together. And I'm going to give you the bottom line of the greatest story that's ever been told. And if you're a person who doesn't like to read ahead, there are some people who like to read the end of a story before they actually read the story. Anybody like that? Are you afraid to admit that maybe? Um, You know, like you read ahead and then you're like, okay, now I know where we're going in the story. Now I can actually read the story. So if you don't like to do that, I'm going to tell you when in the service to plug your ears because I'm going to tell you the end of the story. And it's a big spoiler alert for you, but don't worry. I'll let you know. So again, like I've said, we're ending our series called Thrive. And in this series, we've been trying to answer one question. So the one question is this, how can we thrive in a world that's falling apart? If you haven't noticed, our world does seem like it's falling apart. You can't turn on the news for very long and uh, not start scratching your head going like, what? What decision was made? Who's doing what? Why are we doing that? Like, there's just crazy things happening all around us all the time. There's there's hatred, there's division, there's jealousy, there's all kinds of weird uh, laws that are being passed in our culture today. 
decisions that companies are making that many of us are saying, like, why are you making that decision? Like, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't seem like that, that was your, your mission and your business. And, and people are getting off track in a lot of different ways. So there's a lot of weird things happening in our culture today. It feels like our world is falling apart. I was in a conversation with one of our elders uh, yesterday, and he was telling me that in the state of Utah, apparently it was just recently passed in many of the school systems in Utah, they have banned the Bible from our school libraries because of the violence that's in the Bible, some of the language that's in the Bible, and some of the sexuality that's in the Bible. If you think that's a little crazy, there's a lot of us that think that's a little crazy, that, that the Bible would be banned from some of our public schools. So again, there are some crazy things that are happening in our world today, and many of us are concerned about it. And the really interesting thing about that is not just one group of people are concerned. There's a lot of people who are concerned. Uh, people that don't share the same political party are concerned. People of different generations are concerned. Different genders are concerned. A lot of us are concerned about the direction of our nation. And we're trying to ask, like, how is it possible for us to thrive in our chaotic world? So over the past four weeks, we've been learning how to do that from the Old Testament prophet Daniel. If you're not familiar with Daniel, he lived about 2,500 years ago. He lived in a very pagan part of the world. Uh, he was from the kingdom of Judah in the Middle East, and Judah was defeated by the Babylonians, and many of them were taken back to Babylon as slaves. And so Daniel lived as a slave for 70 years, and he figured out how to thrive in this wicked culture that was there. So the Babylonians engaged all kinds of wicked practices in worship of their gods, and the Babylonians were defeated by the Persians. And so Daniel actually learned how to thrive in four different kingdoms under four different kings he was promoted to high-level positions in those kingdoms. And I wondered, how is that possible for Daniel to actually pull that off? Well, he learned how to thrive spiritually as he lived in those pagan cultures. And it feels like for me today that America is becoming more and more like a pagan culture. And we need to learn how to thrive in that culture. Daniel's teaching us how to do that. He did not compromise his faith. He stayed true to his faith in God, and God rewarded him for that. Now, over the past four weeks, we have spent a lot of time studying five chapters out of Daniel. Today, I'm going to summarize the last six chapters. Okay, so we're going to go from chapter 7 down to chapter 12. I'm going to give you a summary of that, a bottom line uh, thought of that, and some bottom line steps that we need to, to take as we're staying focused on thriving in our chaotic world. If you are a note taker, today would be a great day to take notes. You can do that the old-fashioned way with paper and pen. You can pull out your phone, take pictures of the slides. You can type on your phone any other way that you'd like to do that. If somebody around you is taking notes, take their notes after the service, then you don't have to do that during the service. Okay. Thank you for kind of laughing at that joke. All right. So Daniel chapter 7 through 12 covers a lot of end times prophecy. Some of it covers events that have already happened. Other parts cover events that are going to happen. We're not going to do a deep dive into the end time parts of Daniel chapter 7 through 12, the second part of Daniel. Again, we are primarily focused in this series on answering how can we thrive when our world is falling apart. For those of you who are interested in end times prophecy, 
we are planning to most likely do a end time series next year. So this upcoming year, there's also a book that I highly recommend that you get. If you're interested in end time prophecy and you're interested in exploring more of what Daniel has to say about end times, you can get this book called Agents of Babylon by Dr. David Jeremiah. He's one of the world leading experts in end time prophecy. Great resource. If you want to dive deep into a story about Daniel and the end times that are ahead for us. Again, I recommend you do that. So here's a summary of Daniel chapter 7 through 12. World leaders will fight for control over the whole world. An evil leader will defeat all other leaders and take control of the world, and his nickname is the Antichrist. Horrible, wicked things will happen under his leadership, and the world will pretty much be a place that sucks to be in during his leadership. And then King Jesus will come and defeat the Antichrist, set up his kingdom, and the world will be an amazing place to live forever. That's an oversimplification of Daniel chapter 7 through 12, but that basically is the bottom line. Now, here's some things that we need to remember as those things are happening around us. These are some of the things that we've learned so far. So we can thrive spiritually when we decide in advance how we're going to live. Daniel did that. He didn't wait till he got into the Babylonian culture to figure out how he was going to live. He decided before he got into that culture, he was going to honor God with his life and God honored him. God rewarded him for that. So we can also thrive when we decide to stay focused on the mission God has given us. So Daniel did that. He stayed focused on the mission of leading King Nebuchadnezzar to God. He didn't get distracted by all the other things in that culture that he could have been distracted by. He stayed focused on leading the king to God. And he got to see King Nebuchadnezzar praise the one true God of heaven. We need to stay focused on the mission that God has given us. The primary mission that God has given us is to lead people to Jesus to tell people how to have a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's our mission as a church. That should be our mission as Christ followers, to stay focused on that mission. I think we can thrive when we do that in our culture. We can also thrive when we speak and live truth and love. It's one thing to speak truth and not live it. We need to speak truth and live the truth and do that in love. And when we do that, I think God will allow us to thrive in our world, thrive spiritually and in other ways as well. We can also thrive when we consistently engage spiritual habits that help us grow spiritually. So we saw Daniel doing this last week. So there was this law passed under King Darius that no one was allowed to pray to anyone else except the king for 30 days. And what did Daniel do when he heard that crazy law get passed? He didn't run and hide his faith. He didn't close his windows and close his doors and just you know, pray to himself. He did what he had always done. He prayed with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day and God rewarded him for that. Now, he ended up in the lion's den, but guess who was in the lion's den with him? God was there. God was there while he walked through that. We need to remember at any moment when we're facing persecution, God is there. God is always with us in times of persecution and struggle, and he can guide us through that. He did that for Daniel. He can do that for us as well. So those are ways that we can thrive. Here's a fifth way that we can thrive. While our world is falling apart, we can thrive if we trust God with the future. We have to trust God with the future. 
So the Bible's very clear that as the time of Christ's return approaches, our world is gonna get worse and worse. And we're seeing that. There's evil, there's hatred, there's violence, there's division everywhere. And as that happens, it seems like more and more Christ followers are getting more and more afraid or getting more and more angry as we, we see our world getting worse and worse. And we don't have to do either of those things. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to be afraid because God is in complete control. Okay, God is in complete control. Here is the spoiler alert for the end of our story. If you don't want to know how the story ends, plug your ears right now. Okay, I'll give you a second to do that. Here's how our story ends. In the end, God wins. In the end, God wins. If you're a Christ follower, guess what? You win with him. So we win because God wins. And guess what? God has already won. He won when Jesus rose from the grave, defeating the curse of sin and death that we brought into the world. And that is such an amazing truth, but sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that God wins. And, and we think, oh, evil people are so powerful and, and they're gonna win the war, but that's not true because God has already won the war. This is gonna sound crazy, but I think we can be excited as Christ followers, as our world falls apart, not that it is falling apart, not because it's falling apart, but because Jesus is coming soon to end the war that we battle with sin and evil. When he comes back, he's gonna set up his kingdom and the world is going to be a perfect place to live. Anybody excited about living in a perfect place? Man, man. This half is super excited or partially excited. That was a little bit of a golf clap there, clap there but we're, we should be more excited. And here's a powerful, powerful truth we need to remember as we are living in the end times. So as our world gets led by leaders who don't honor God, as laws get passed that go against biblical values, as we step closer and closer towards the Antichrist leading our world in horrible, horrible ways, we need to remember this one thing. The same road that leads to the Antichrist leads to Jesus Christ. The same road that leads to some really rough things happening in our world is the road that leads to amazing things happening for all of eternity. So we need to remember that just beyond the Antichrist is Jesus Christ. And again, he wins. He wins the war. And if we're on his side, if we're his followers, we win with him. And we need to remember that so we can trust God with the future. No matter what happens today, tomorrow, next month, next year, we can trust God with the future. The Old Testament prophet Daniel said in Daniel chapter four, he said this in Daniel chapter five as well, talking to King Nebuchadnezzar, who thought he was a God, who thought he was in control of the whole world. Uh, Daniel said this, he said, the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world and he gives them to anyone he chooses. So it may seem like evil people are, are in control, but God is ultimately in control and he can help us thrive even when our nation or other nations end up being led by people who don't honor God or his values. God decides who gets elected. 
and he will use them for his purposes and we can trust him for that. We saw God do that with King Nebuchadnezzar and God still is doing that today. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 27, it, it talks about the world leaders fighting against each other for control over the world. And then Daniel reminds us of this in verse 27. He says, but it will make no difference for the end will come at the appointed time. So God the Father knows when Jesus is coming back. He knows when the end of our story on on earth happens or really the beginning of our story happens. He knows when that's gonna happen. Nothing can delay that, nothing can speed that up. God is in complete control and we can trust him for that. We can trust him for eternity. Guess what that means? You can trust him for today. There may be something going on in your world today that you're freaking out about, either health-wise, financially, relationship-wise, but you can trust God. You really can. You can trust him for eternity and you can trust him for today, and that's worth getting excited about. So a sixth way that we can thrive is by getting ready for Christ's return. So Jesus told us in John 14 that he was going away to prepare a place for us. And in verse three says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. So again, Jesus is coming back again one day. And I do believe he's coming back again soon, and we need to be ready for that. Here's some ways that we can be ready for that. Number one, we can be ready by making sure that we're really living for him and make sure that we have a relationship with him and make sure that other people around us have a relationship with him. So I said last week that a good part of our world going crazy right now and kind of falling apart is that it is forcing Christ followers to get off of the fence of casual Christianity. For far too long, too many Christ followers, myself included at times, have coasted in our relationship with God because everything's going well in life. So everything's good, and so we don't live with real urgency in our relationship with God or our need for fulfilling the mission that God has given us about telling other people about him. So we're good. We, we read our Bible some, we pray some, we attend church some, we serve some, and we think we're good. But we're not desperate for God to work. We're not desperate for God to help us lead other people to him. So we need to be desperate for God to work. And I think some of the things that are happening in our world right now are shaking us off the fence of faith. So if you are a Christ follower, are you kind of sitting casually on the fence of faith, just like not really living with passion and purpose for God every day in whatever situation that you find yourself in? Like, are you sitting on the fence? If so, I think what's happening in our world today is shaking the fence. It's forcing us to decide, am I really gonna live my faith or am I not? And if you're a Christ follower, God wants us to really live our faith. He doesn't want our faith in him to be like a social club. He doesn't want it to be a hobby that we engage in occasionally. He wants it to be the driving force of our lives. So the greatest thing that we can do for God, for ourselves and for others is to live passionately for God and tell everyone about God. Tell everyone how they can have a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So a friend of mine and I were having a conversation uh, about this recently 
about some of the crazy things happening in our world. And my friend said something like this I thought was so profound. He said, we can't win all the battles in our culture today, but we can win the war one soul at a time. So the reality is we're not going to win all those cultural battles that are, that are going on out there. There are a lot of hot topics out there. We're not going to win them all, but that's not the goal. The goal is not to win all those things. The goal is to lead people to Jesus. That's the goal. And we can do that one person at a time. So we may not be able to run out into our culture and and have these big conversations in a very public way, but we can have spiritual conversations with the person in front of us. So maybe that's someone at home who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's someone at work. Maybe that's someone at school, that we can engage a spiritual conversation with them and try to help them take a next step towards or with God. So we can help in winning the war. One person at a time, one soul at a time, by leading people to Jesus who can transform their lives. As we engage the spiritual battle around us, trying to lead one person to Christ at a time, we need to remember what God said in Ephesians chapter 6. Speaking through the Apostle Paul in verse 10, he said this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of who? The devil, all strategies of the devil. The reality is our enemy is the devil, also known as Satan. So we're not battling against people. We aren't. Sometimes we think we are, but we aren't. So we have this real enemy and he has real strategies that he is using against us. And we see those every day. Verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So again, as we engage spiritual warfare around us, we need to remember that our battle is not with people. Sometimes we think it is. Sometimes the other person that's talking to us, that's disagreeing with us, that may be arguing with us, feels like the enemy, but they are not. They're not the enemy. They're somebody for whom Jesus died for and God loves immensely, and he wants us to do our best to love them and lead them towards Jesus. We need to remember that in every interaction that we have with people around us, especially with people who don't share our values in Christ. Now, as the enemy attacks us, here's some of the strategies that he uses against us. He uses strategies like division. Anybody see any division going on in our world today? Like Satan is very alive and well, and he's, he's using that strategy against all kinds of people. He, he's using doubt, causing all kinds of people to doubt. Like, is God real? If he is real, why would he allow so much evil and suffering to happen in our world? There's all kinds of doubts that people have about God, about faith, about just being good people who love others. There's all kinds of doubts out there in our world today. He, he fights us through deception. There's all kinds of deception happening in our world. And it's interesting, if you follow deception in history, you go back to Genesis chapter three, and you find yourself in the story of Adam and Eve. And you find Satan entering the Garden of Eden and whispering to Adam and Eve, did God really say you shouldn't eat the fruit? And what he did was he mixed truth and a lie. He said, listen, uh, like, you won't die. You'll become like God if you eat the fruit. So he took truth and a lie, mixed it together, and Adam and Eve said, wow, that sounds true. It wasn't true, but it sounded true. 
Satan has adjusted his strategy against us today. He's not so much using truth and lies and mixing them together to present that to us. Today, he's pretty much telling us outright lies, just pretty much bold-faced lies, and there are people believing the lies today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, in the end times, God will allow people to believe the lie. You can't turn on the news, jump on social media for probably more than five seconds and not see someone believing a lie today, an outright lie. That's the work of Satan against us. He also uses distraction against us. Um, I don't know if anybody else struggles with distraction, but I do. So if, like, if you sneeze during the service, I'll probably be distracted and say, oh, God bless you, and then forget what I had to say. So we're all distracted, and we can be so easily distracted today. There are so many things to distract us, and sometimes I feel like, myself included in this, sometimes I feel like Christ followers are distracted by YouTube videos and games on our phone while people around us are going to hell. I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm pointing the finger at all of us. That should be deeply convicting to us. We are allowing ourselves to be distracted by videos of cats while people go to hell. Not a good thing. We should fix that. Next is Satan attacks us through depression. Mental health issues are all over the place. I have a background in mental health. And as a counselor, you know, one of the things that we have seen uh, pre-COVID, post-COVID, during COVID, mental health issues went through the roof. And they have not uh, found their settling place very well since then. They continue to skyrocket. Why? Because the enemy attacks us emotionally, mentally, relationally, and he uses things like depression all the time. I mean, you look around you, you'll find people that are depressed constantly. One of the sad things about Flagler County is that it has had historically over the past several years, one of the highest suicide rates in all of the counties in the state of Florida. Why is that? I'm not sure. But our care and counseling ministry, we felt like was part of the solution that God was asking us to be a part of that. Why? Because depression is such a big deal in our world today. So Satan attacks through depression. He also attacks through destruction destruction of relationships. We're seeing that every day now. You may get in a conversation with someone who disagrees with you or you disagree with them. And there's this idea that if, if we don't agree with everything that, that someone else says, or they don't agree with everything that we say, then we should break the relationship and end it and throw it away because it's disposable. That is horrible. That's horrible. We like really can agree to disagree and love each other and be respectful in areas that we don't agree on. It really is possible. We need to figure out how to do that in our world today. So the enemy comes along and tries to, to destroy relationships. So here's how we can help fight against these strategies of the enemy. So when you see division, bring unity. Jesus prayed in John 17 that his followers would be unified. So when you see division at home, at work, at school, and you step in to be a peacemaker and to bring unity, guess what? You are helping to answer Jesus' prayer that we would be a part of answering. We can do that when we bring unity amongst division. When there's doubt, we need to bring clarity. There's so much doubt and confusion today. People wonder, like, can we really know anything? Like, we can. It is possible. Here's the clearest thing that we can ever tell anybody. 
Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. Education's not the hope of the world. Money's not the hope of the world. Our government's not the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. And everybody needs to know Jesus. So when there's doubt, bring clarity. When there's deception, bring truth. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. So we can know truth. It's possible. And and people think today, like, I don't know that we can know truth, or I'll just live my version of the truth. That is such a lie. There is not your version of the truth. There's your opinion about the truth, but there is truth, and we can know truth. Truth is Jesus. And when people are deceived, we need to bring truth to them. When there's distraction, we need to bring focus. What are we focused on? The mission that God has given us to lead people to Jesus. Let's not be distracted. Let's be focused. When there's depression, we need to bring joy. Now, I grew up in church world. And one of the things that I always thought was kind of confusing for me about church world was there were many Christ followers that I interacted with when I was growing up, and I thought they were the most joyless people that I had experienced in my life. And, and if you were to say, like, hey, are you excited about spending eternity with God? And they would say, yes, I absolutely am. I'm like, well, tell your face about it, because apparently your face doesn't know that. Like, you may know something up here, but, it, but if it's not like showing out in your life and how you live, if you're not joy-filled as a Christ follower, like, we need to work on that. Guess who needs to work on that sometimes? Me. Sometimes I'm not joyful. Sometimes I get distracted. Sometimes I get depressed. Sometimes I get focused on the wrong things, and I need to be reminded, hey, tell your face that Jesus lives inside of you. And when he wins, you win. And you can actually tell other people how they can win for all of eternity as well. So when you see depression, bring joy. When you see destruction, bring restoration. Relationships are not disposable. We should not destroy relationships, whether family, friends, coworkers, neighbors. We should not destroy relationships. We should restore them. There are so many relationships around us today that are being destroyed, and they need people to step in and restore them. And maybe you need to restore a relationship in your family. Or maybe you need to help a friend restore a relationship in their lives as well. Fight against the strategy of the enemy of destruction with restoration. So those are some of the ways that we can fight against the enemy's strategies against us. Another way to get ready for Christ's return is to make sure that we have a relationship with him. And maybe some of you don't have that. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe, maybe you thought you do, but as we walk through what we're about to walk through, maybe you'll recognize that maybe you don't have the relationship that you should have. Maybe you thought your relationship with God was based upon your works, the good things that you do, as opposed to believing in what Jesus has done for you. So um, listen to what Romans 3 says. This is the Apostle Paul again speaking. Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has, what's that word? Sin. All right, sin, uh, we've all sinned in in big ways and small ways. And uh, we'll go back here to this word. Everyone has sinned. There is not a person around you who hasn't sinned, and that includes religious leaders. Okay, so there's not a religious leader in the world who has not sinned. We have all sinned. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, and sin creates a problem. It separates us from God. So Romans 6, 23 tells us, 
The wages of sin is death. So the penalty for sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a free gift. It's not something that we earn. It is a free gift that's given to us. In Romans 10, verses 9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that word saved is is a meaning for eternal salvation, meaning eternal life. You'll be given eternal life. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by by openly declaring that you're your faith that you are saved in verse 11 says, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. One of the things I love about Christianity is it's for everyone. It's not just for certain people. It's not just for religious people. It's not just for people who attend church every Sunday in their lives and have perfect attendance records. It's not just for people who know a whole lot about the Bible. It's not just for people who were born in America. It's for everyone. Anyone and everyone can enter a relationship with God that lasts forever through believing in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And again, the crazy thing about a relationship with God that lasts forever is it's a free gift. The reality is every other faith system in the world says you earn it. You earn a relationship with God, you earn heaven, you earn whatever the reward is of that faith system, but Christianity says you can't earn it, you can only receive it. Ephesians 2. Verse eight says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. I'm so glad that verse doesn't say, God saved you by his grace when you behaved. (laughs) God saved you by his grace when you attended church every Sunday your entire life. Or God saved you by his grace when you helped little old ladies across the street. Doesn't say that. Helping little old ladies across the street is a good thing, so we should do that. But God saved you by his grace when you believed when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he has done on the cross for us, and you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. How do you boast about a gift that you're given? Like, it's not possible to boast about that. It's a gift that was given. We just have to receive the amazing gift because it's based on what God has done for us, not what we have done for him. So if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm gonna walk you through how you can do that today. There's nothing magical about the words that I'm gonna walk you through in just a minute. God cares about the sincerity of your heart that you recognize that you can't earn your way. It's not possible, but you can believe in what Jesus has done and you can invite him to be your personal Lord and Savior. You can invite him to be the king of your life and if you invite him in, he'll be your king today and your king for all of eternity. So I'm gonna walk you through that in just a minute. But it really is possible for us to thrive when it feels like our world is falling apart if we remember these things. If we remember to decide in advance how we're gonna live. We can thrive spiritually if we stay focused on the mission God's given us of leading people to Jesus. 
We can thrive when we speak and live truth and love before other people around us, when we engage spiritual habits consistently that help us stay connected to God and stay connected to other people. We can thrive spiritually by trusting God with the future. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be angry at our world. We can trust God with the future, and we can thrive as we get ready for Christ's return. In just a minute, our worship team is going to guide us through a final song. And as they're singing this song, I encourage you to to pick one of these things that you need to work on in your life right now. Just pick one of them. Focus on that this week and say, God, would you just like teach me how to really zero in on this thing? Because I want to thrive spiritually and stay focused on that this week and let God teach you about how to do that more and more. If you aren't thriving spiritually right now, if you've got spiritual questions, if you have needs in your life, just stop by our care center before you leave. We've got some amazing people there that would love to help you in any way that we can. I'll be in the lobby as well. I'd love to talk with you, pray with you. If you're watching online, you can email us at care at theepicchurch.com and we'd love to help you any way that we can. So I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna guide you through how to start a relationship with God that lasts forever. And if this applies to you, I invite you to put your faith in him. So let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for the truth of scripture that we can know. Lord, there's there's so much division in our world. There's so much doubt. There's so much distraction, so much deception, so much destruction that's going on out there. The enemy is is having a field day against our world. And yet, God, you've given us a clear path for fighting against the enemy when we bring unity, when we bring clarity, when we we bring truth, we bring restoration. So, Lord, I, I pray for those of us who are Christ followers. Lord, I pray that as we're watching our world kind of unravel itself, that we won't get angry, we won't get afraid or anxious, but we'll be excited. We'll remind ourselves who's in control. We'll remind ourselves that the same path that leads to the Antichrist leads to Jesus Christ. And we'll remind ourselves that Jesus, you are coming back again one day soon, and you've won the war. There's some battles out there that are going on around us on a daily basis. We need to engage those battles, but we need to remind ourselves that you have won the war. And we need to help people understand that. We need to help other people put their faith and trust in you, Jesus, as their personal Lord and Savior. And maybe you're here on campus, maybe you're watching online, and you've never made that decision before, and you recognize that you need to. Maybe you thought your relationship with God was based upon your good works, the things that you tried to do to earn a relationship with God. And you're reminded today, it's not about that. It's about belief in him. So if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus based upon what he has done on the cross for you, here's how you can do that. It's just a conversation that you have that goes something like this. And I encourage you to pray this in your heart to God. If This applies to you, and if you sincerely mean it, you could pray something like this. God, I need you. I'm a sinner in need of a savior, and I believe you, Jesus, are that savior who died so I can live. And today, 
on June 4th, 2023, in a middle school cafeteria, I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to come into my life. I believe in what you did on the cross for me, and I accept that. Will you come into my life today? I'm just curious. Has anybody just prayed that prayer with me? If so, would you just raise your hand up for a second? Hold your hand up real high. Thank you for that. Yep, hold your hand up. Thank you for that. I'm just going to look around for a second. Thank you for holding your hands up. And if you're watching online, if you've prayed that, just let us know that. Lord, I'm so grateful for these people and their their courage in this moment to say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I, I need you based upon what you've done, not based upon what I have done. Lord, the coolest thing about a decision like this is scripture is very clear that when someone puts their faith and trust in you, a party breaks out in heaven. But there's a party going on in heaven right now because a few more people said, I'm in. I'm in. I need Jesus. So Lord, I pray for these folks. I pray that you would help them thrive spiritually in this new relationship that they have. Lord, and I pray for all of us that you would help us as as your followers to thrive today because you, Jesus, you're coming back soon. We shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be angry. We should be excited. We should be the most joy-filled people alive today, telling everybody everywhere how they could have a relationship with you before you come back. Lord, may we live like that. May we thrive spiritually like that. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen.